Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. The sun is out. Well, it is here anyway. But the urge to get out there and run farther and faster has never been greater. But have you ever noticed that when the weather tends to pick up, you tend to pick up injuries? Today on Irishman Running Abroad with Irish Athletics icon, former world champion, record breaker and Olympic silver medalist, Sonia Sullivan, I ask, is it possible, is there any way to avoid injuries this summer? For as long as I can remember, I took this kind of fatalistic view to all of this stuff. I had it in my head that I was cursed to be injured forever. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that if you're consistently picking up knocks, nicks, niggles and pulls. Today I'm asking the best what she did to remain relatively injury free during her career and what she now advises runners like you to do to avoid the dreaded layoff. If there is time, we will also take a look at what you can do for your head if the worst happens, because this is a big part of it. When you get injured, it's tough. The head stuff is pretty tough. So if we have time, we're going to get to that. Sonia, it's great to have you back on the line. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to be back. Always good to be back in a different place. It feels like it changes things up. Imagine if I was in the same place all the time. <laughs> I can't, doing Im- this, I can't it, imagine. During this podcast. I feel like you're <laughs> you allergic to that. that would you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're back in Portland. Uh, much more Irish weather. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, they haven't turned the corner here yet on spring. Um, it's, it's, no, nobody has pulled the curtains, you know, it's still very grey. So what is it? Is it, like, is... is it rainy? Is it like drizzly? Are we talking Mayo? Are we talking Cove on a wet day? Like how cold and wet is it? Oh, it's just um, where well, you have to wear all your clothes again, you know, there's no shorts and T-shirts going on here. <laughs> <laughs> But it's kind of, yeah, I suppose it's a bit like a soft day, you know, it's kind of, yeah, that's the general feel around here. But I think people, it's May now, so I think people are sick of it. And it was Mother's Day yesterday in America. So you kind of expect there might be a bit of sunshine and Mm. flowers around at that point of the year. So I think everybody's living in hope here at the moment. But uh, yeah, the the big puffer jackets are still going around here. And did Sophie make the trip up to see her mom or does she only observe the Australian Mother's Day? No, she observes them all. She's pretty good. <laughs> she, no, she didn't. She, she's actually coming this evening. So she's going to come for a couple of nights and then she's going to run. They have this a conference called the Pac-12 on the yeah. weekend, which is all the colleges have their different conferences. And so she's going to Eugene in Oregon on Wednesday. And um, so that's kind of where I'm about more than halfway. So she's going to come here tonight and then I'm going to send her on on Wednesday to meet up with her team. Well, I, I and, then hopefully, and hopefully I'll get to see her run on the weekend. Maybe. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, I mean, th- this is a, a subject that, of course, is close to Sophie's heart as well, this thing of avoiding injuries. Now, your own career, let's talk about this to start with before we start doling out advice or getting your take on things. In your own career, the, the injuries that I could dig up or that were reported, 2003, the Achilles 1999, the hip and lower back issue. Of course, the foot that you've mentioned a couple of times. What would you say is the common thread between all the injuries that you've picked up along the way? 
Well, I think the ones when I was at a high level of running were definitely overuse injuries. So again, it's like the over and over repetitive action and not always being aware of stuff. So I think athletes these days are much more aware, Hmm. especially athletes at the high level. They're more aware of the kind of prehabilitation. So always being, I suppose, one step ahead of the injury. And so if something starts to niggle or to, you know, I suppose you're you're thinking about something other than just r- the pain of running <laughs> that you can get when you run hard. Yeah. Um, that they actually have someone they can go to, you know, immediately rather than saying, oh, I because oftentimes you can be out running and you feel a pain and then you come back inside and you have a shower and you get changed and and then you feel fine and you forget about it mm-hmm. until you go out again the next day. And then it's, you know, oh, you say, like, I forgot to do something about that. So it's 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 very much in an in the moment kind of thing. Yeah. So when you when you speak of your injuries, you say that you are you are unlike these modern athletes who are kind of ahead of it, as you say, involved in their prehabilitation, aware that they've got a little bit of a tendency for one thing or the other. You are much more like, look, I'm not in pain in this moment after this run. So all's good. Yeah. And the thing is, you're on a bit of a roll in your training. You know, you have some good training sessions. You have a streak of runs, you know, non, and a streak of um, not stopping or no, mm. not having to take a day off and you don't want to take those days off. And so you just, you don't, I suppose sometimes you wouldn't talk to people because you don't want to be told you can't run or you've got to stop. Yeah, if you don't go to the doctor, you never know if you have a problem. This is it. The doctor is the problem. <laughs> Just stay away from that person. Uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the one line that I, I did look up this week and it kind of connected with what we talked about last week. If you missed it last week, you really missed a dinger of an episode about mental strength. And we kind of decided that the essence of mental strength was the ability to cope with change, Sonia. Is it true to say that the reason so many runners, approximately 50% each year, get injured is because they try to change something too quickly? Well, yeah, I mean, there's probably a good chance of that because everybody wants to be better and you're always looking for that extra thing you can do. And it's funny how often people will try and do things different right before a race. You know, they're kind of, it's like all of a sudden you start to question everything that you've been doing all along. Mm. And, you, and you look and you look around and you see other people and you think, and what are they doing? And what are they wearing? Yeah. It's, it's proper I, leaving I, search I, anxiety, isn't it? Maybe I should study yeah. Kavanaugh at the last second. <laughs> Even though I've never read one of his poems up to this point, it is it's it's a it's a clutching at straws nearly, isn't it? It is. It's like you kind of doubt yourself, and I suppose that's the the thing when you're under pressure and your expectations are greater than the realistic ability that you have. You know, mm. if you're not prepared as best as you would hope to be, then that's when you start to question things and you look around and you can make mistakes then because you kind of diverge from the plan you Mm. do things a little bit differently than you would normally do whereas what you should do is you should bring everything that you normally do that gets you to the track every tuesday or whatever day you go in good shape and take that to the race and break the race down into this is just going to the track every week Mm. this is you know this is my normal there's just more people around and there's people watching me I want to give a big shout out to Mikey, my son here, because he is in the middle of his state exams here in the UK, the SATs, which are kind of their first experience of, 
you know, the exam papers coming out of a locked box in the classroom. They're 11 years old, these kids. And some <laughs> of what we've talked about on here has applied. That like, we're like, what will we give them for the breakfast on the day of the exams? And your advice is always nothing new on race day. So trying to get it into his head that, you know, have faith in what you do and accept that this is your best and just give it that. There's so much of that application. I bring up the leaving cert, but so much of us coming a cropper on big occasions or in the lead up to big occasions is perhaps, I think, connected to the kind of overindulgence that is in modern society. Would you agree with this idea that we as a culture tend for more rather than less? And as a result, if you're doing that with running, you will pay the price. Yeah, well, that's the thing is you're never content. You know, you can go out there and have a, a great run or a, a great race, come back in feeling good, but you're never content. You're always thinking, I feel so good. I could be so much better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe I'll go again. It's like, it's like even, you know, you, you often look at, you know, if you're watching competition, on television or championships and if somebody wins something even like last week we go back to katie taylor as soon as she won the fight it was like what about the rematch mm. you know it's like can we not like just live in the moment right here and you know enjoy this moment and this celebration before looking at what's next and then all of a sudden you're taken away from what you've actually got to mm. look for well what can we do better but maybe you can't do any better and even if you, maybe it's just different. You want, you move on and you try it again. And it's just different. It's not the same thing. It's like when you have a, you know, you go to a, a party or, you know, something that kind of evolves into a party. Sure. And you have the greatest, <laughs> like, you know, the Sunday afternoon rolls into yeah. Sunday night and you're saying, this is, you couldn't have planned this. And that's, you couldn't have planned it because some of these things, they just evolve into a great event or a nice gathering and you think we must do this again, but you could ne you can never do it again. It's never the same. Yeah. And equally on a night out where it's it's been great. There's always someone who goes, will we go here now? <laughs> we we'll go oh, on yeah. from here. <laughs> You're like, no, we should have left the way it was. It's, a, it's I, a, that. Yeah, happens so often when people say we move on and then you get there and you're like, we should have stayed. <laughs> we should have got, yeah, we should have got an Uber. So knowing your limits was the first topic that I wanted to bring up, because that's kind of everything that you're saying here. This overindulgence problem in culture, an instinct for your own limits it might be hard to know, though, especially if you're new to running when you kind of you can't really know your limits until you exceed them. Now, my long run this weekend was nearly 21 kilometers. I'm very proud to say it. It's the longest run I've ever done in my life and in my Strava life. And it was a dangerous move when I look at it now, Sonia, and I realize the jump that I took there. Uh, firstly, I got lost. <laughs> I had the moment where uh, I I really didn't know where I was, but thankfully I had the phone in the uh, in the pocket and was able to figure out, oh, yeah, just keep going straight here and turn left at M&S and you're back on the road. But I definitely touched the edge of what I was capable of. First of all, I want to ask you, why is that so risky and how the hell do you know where your edge is and, and know what your limits are without bumping off the, the, the back wall of them? 
Well, I think you don't really. It's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to know when to stop if you're out there enjoying something. And, you know, I mean, the thing is when you get lost and you're for and sometimes you can be lost, but you're not really lost. You're just further away from where you want to be mm. and you have to get and you have to get back. Yeah. And but the thing is, I think once you accept that and then you relax, and you think, OK, I'll just run back. I'll be fine. And, you know, if you're not you're not having any issues, then it's not that big of a deal. Right. But I think then maybe you need to adjust the following days. Mm. So you have every day impacts on the next day and the day after. So if you do a long run on the weekend, then you probably need to take it easy for a few days early in the week and not just keep building on it and trying to run further every day or everything that you go out there mm. and just have a little bit of balance. But, you know, I mean, you do. I mean, the thing is, the more you run, the better you get at it. And then you just have to find that kind of sweet spot of what's enough. Yeah. As last week, you said to me, uh, I'm not sure if it was even on the podcast afterwards, after I'd done the Vitality 10,000 and obviously nearly beat Mo Farah. Uh, <laughs> I logged, I logged <laughs> the best time I thought I could ever log over 10,000. And you kind of said to me afterwards, now, maybe just chill out for a bit and kind of try staying at this level that you've reached. Uh, was that part of the same kind of thinking that you're saying here where we kind of accept, right, well, here's where I am. Let's get good at being here. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, I suppose you could look back at in 1994. And for me back then, the big thing was to run 100 miles a week. Hmm. And so when you get to that point of, you know, you're going to run 100 miles in the week, then what do you do next? I mean, do you run more the next week? But you really have to get good at running that 100 miles a week. So you just repeat it over and over again. Mm. So you just do it better or you do it differently because more isn't, there's kind of a saturation point of running and just running for the sake of running and running more and more miles doesn't always make you better. But the strength and the ability to run for the amount of time as much as the amount of distance means that you can actually push yourself a little bit more in the same amount of time each week. Yeah. And then just you, so you use the time more efficiently and better to improve your efficiency at running rather than just your ability to run a lot. I hear you. Yeah. And I, I guess it's kind of, it requires a kind of counterintuitive sense for this, doesn't it? Because... <laughs> You do think more is better. And I'm sure even when you were running 100 miles, you had to be talked into the idea of, no, you're not doing 110 next week. A hundred's, as you say, the sweet spot, the place where you need to be. But a person doesn't figure that out unless they they get there. Right. So at the moment, let's take me, for example, about 60 kilometers a week is is what I'm clocking. And the the next point that I wanted to bring up on this whole thing of prevention of injury is this 10% increase idea. They say that you should be bumping up your training by 10% week on week. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule, though, is it? I mean, you're pushing back against that idea here. Why is that? Well, I mean, I suppose for you, you're kind of in a bit of a happy medium spot at the moment now. So you could probably get away with up to half marathon if you worked on 60 kilometers hmm. 
But but if you were going to go for the marathon, you'd probably have to run a little bit more. Right. So it all depends on what you're trying to achieve and where you're heading for, if you are going to increase or not over the next few weeks. Okay, so it's all but about it, your targets. Yeah, so I think, you know, at the moment, I would say you'd be best to just get good at running 60 kilometers a week. And, to you know, if you can get in that 20 kilometer approximate run every weekend, then that's going to give you as much a boost as anything. Mm. Now, it was just hard on there. Sunday. I'll be, I'll how, how, long, <laughs> how long did it take you? It how, took how an hour and 50. Was I was pretty proud of that time. Uh-huh. I had the water break, obviously, for the first time in the history of my running. I took a break to have a drink of water in the local cafe. And I felt like I felt a bump after that. But what was weird was, and I don't know if everybody, anybody listening to this has this where you think, right, well, I'm definitely getting my break at that at that coffee shop where I'll go to the loo. And, and then it was like my legs went, oh, no, we're we're done now for the day. <laughs> I don't, I don't know uh, what your plans are, but uh, we're walking uh, and I kind of couldn't get my legs to get back to the pace they were. Is that normal? Um, yeah, no, that's a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So many of my questions to you uh-huh. over the last 18 months are, is that weird, Sonia? And uh, a lot of the times the answer is yes, Jared, that is weird. <laughs> Your legs should move. They don't have a mind of their own. But I just don't know. I think I I was spent. Yeah, but oftentimes when you stop, it's kind of a bit of a break and then you reset and you you start again. So how far did you go before you stopped? Um, I think I was on around 16, maybe 17 at that point. Oh, right. So you didn't have that far to go then. No, I didn't. But I did think, I just had it in my head that I I take off now that I was filled with water. And similarly with this 10% thing, I've often looked at this because, you know, if people are to like everyone can Google these things that we talk about on the show. I get that. But I really think that the benefit of having you here, Sonia, is to really make sense of what are often just like bullet points in runner's world or in the marathon handbook that this 10% increase thing. I mean, what are they even talking about? Like, well, are they talking about miles? Are they talking about time? Are they talking about intensity or all of those? And if you're an older runner, the margin for error is much finer. So which of those things do you look at increasing by 10%? Do you do you not buy into this 10% increase idea or do you just think it's a, it's a good general tool? I think it's a general tool when you're, but I think it's more specific to when you're training for the marathon and you're trying to increase how much you're running every week. Gotcha. I think for general running people, you know, if you're not running every day, then you take it one day at a time. So it doesn't really matter what the week adds up to. Mm. Because you you could be on like just, you're just on a daily cycle. And then as long as you take a day off every now and then, or you go to the gym or you do non-impact activity then you're giving your body a bit of a rest. Mm. So it's it just it does all depend on what you're training for. Mm. And if you're specifically on a training plan and you're aiming for something, then that's when you kind of need to be more aware of, you know, how you're increasing the distance that you're running each week. Okay. And not get not getting too carried away. You know, I mean I sometimes I'll be I watch, um, I can see sometimes Sophie puts things up on Strava and I can see now she's getting really into running and she loves 
she's running more than she's run in a long time. Grad, you know, doing longer runs, and I'm like, oh, I hope she's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, you kind of think that there, she's obviously figured out that the more I run, the fitter I get, the faster I'll be. But then you have to find the balance in there. And there's always a point for young athletes where they're kind of chasing that goal and then they can lose track of the balance. And it's sometimes you just have to find it out for yourself. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's trial and error. And unfortunately, the error is a hard one to take that. I know Sophie's had her time off. You know what it feels like to be injured. And as I said, I really do want to get to this in the second half of our conversation around what your advice would be to people who are struggling with the time off, with the layoff and the kind of demons that come with that, because they can they can really, really hang hard over your shoulders and maybe make you come back too soon. But we've dealt. Let's focus in here because we've dealt with two things for straight away. Know your limits and this plan for a 10 percent increase each week if you're great, if you're going for a target. What would be your next pillar of these kind of avoid injury commandments? Well, the big one that stands out all the time is listen to your body. And then I was looking at this this morning. I was thinking, well, most people say, well, what does that mean Mm. to listen to your body? And because, you know, I mean, I don't know, (laughs) you'd be unusual. I'd say if you didn't get up in the morning and have a few aches and pains and, you know, (laughs) we're not all bouncing out the door every morning. Absolutely. And my body says mad stuff. My body says, let's let's go for waffles. (laughs) Let's not go for a run. (laughs) My head is so stressed at the moment. I'm sure loads of people feel the same way with the cost of living and all these just these pressures on you that sometimes listening to your body can can mean I need a break. What does it mean to you? So, yeah, it's I think sometimes you just have to have days where you take your time and you ease into the day rather than being so strict on yourself and kind of having these time constraints where you have to get so much done in a certain amount of time. And I think I always find, feel that I, I find that I feel myself like this when, if I kind of move or change the location where I'm at or something, that it's like you have to reset yourself and you have to gradually ease into what you're going to do and refine your routine that kind of gets you going every day. Mm. So I was a bit like that yesterday, like my intention was to go out and go for a run, you know, at a reasonably early hour. But by the time I kind of got myself organized and sorted and decided what I was going to do, I didn't start running until 9.30, which, you know, sometimes that can be quite late. Luckily, it wasn't a very nice day, so there wasn't many people out. But that's the thing is you want to get out sometimes before the crowds and the people and the dogs that are on the trails. Yes. Um, but I ha- but the thing is, I had a bit of a deadline in the day because I had booked myself a ticket to go and see this Banksy exhibition in Portland. Very nice. So I had somewhere to go after my run. And that's the thing. Sometimes if you don't have somewhere to go afterwards, you're kind of um, you can you can stall things a lot. But I knew I had a deadline, but it was far enough away. I'd given myself a good buffer that I wouldn't be rushing. And I could manage to get myself to a nice coffee shop before, you know, so you just need to, I suppose, plan your day. 
get your run in and um, just ease into it rather than kind of rushing into it. And I think that's the thing. Some days you have to really enjoy what you're doing mm. and kind of think, you know, you say, why am I doing this? You know, but what else would you be doing? And what would you what would you prefer to be doing? Well, and if there's a nothing lot of there, would, then you might, yeah, but a lot might of people, as well embrace it. A lot of people would say, Sonia, that uh, the the what would you be doing element of it is that we're so rushed <laughs> off our feet at the moment as everybody struggles to kind of keep up with the cost of living and just the pressures that are experienced at the moment. I mean, I've never known a time where it just feels like there aren't enough hours in the day. I've never known a time when people are looking at each other going, is this what real life is? Is this why we were so keen to come out of lockdown? Everybody's feeling <laughs> so exhausted from nearly the moment they get out of bed at the moment. When I talk to people on stage, it's the same agreement that people are just drained from two years of being scared. I guess that's what that will do to you. When I read that listen to your body thing, I wonder, do elite athletes have a better ear for what their body's telling them? You tell me if this is just me going off on one. But if you're an elite athlete and you're really being super careful about what you're putting into the system and you're training it every which way, focused on your event, is your listen to your body sense, that sense, that 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 hearing better at recognizing oh, my 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 hamstrings are weak, my uh, glutes need work. Uh, I feel like my core strength is is diminished. Is that the case and that us kind of normals don't really know what listening to your body means in that way? Not all the time. I mean, I think when they go to see the physio, they may open up a bit more and say, oh, this has been bothering me. And I mean, it's always good when you go to see the physio or the massage therapist and they say, OK, so what can I do for you? Or what's the what's been bothering you? And it makes you think back on the past few days and, OK, what work, what areas do I need working on? But I think elite athletes, a lot of elite athletes are they're just like normal people and they're just doing the same things, you know, trying to manage what they're doing. But and they have busy lives as well. So they're always wanting to get on to the next thing as well. Mm. And, you know, when they get back out onto the track, you know, that's when they start to feel things are not quite right. I must I must get this sorted out. And, you know, it's the I suppose there's not always the same urgency that you would think because there's different pressures of, you know, getting certain sessions done getting ready to go for a race that sometimes the thing that could stop you from doing those things is put aside because I don't have time to sort that out because I've got to do all the other bits that seem to be more important. And you can forget that, well, if I don't take care of the problem, I won't be able to do the things that I need to do. Yeah, so, sure. You know, I think it's a lot of this stuff is key. You know, when it's a bit like when you're out for a run and you have all these great thoughts in your head and different things, and then you come back in and you forget them. So you have to write it down and you have to make note of it. And I suppose it's a bit handier these days with a phone. You can send a message to somebody and say, listen, this is what's been going on. Remind me to talk to you about this when I see you. And so I think like everybody, athletes, they have to share the problem to fix the problem. 
Okay, and so is, is that why we need a training log? Something that you've been kind of hammering at us all to get is that you can't even measure what your uh, what your body is saying to you unless you actually document it uh, and then listen back to it at a later date. Um, yeah, I think so. I think you have to. That's a really good idea is to to write things down. And then if if things kind of spiral out of control, you can look back and you can see, well, what did I do or where did I run? Yeah. And when was the first time know, that shin started to give me a bit of jip? Yeah. And it's amazing when you do look back on things like that, you can actually figure it out. Hmm. But you don't know it at the time. So, uh, yeah. So so like, let's say my uh, shin issue that I had this time last year, I'm looking down through it and you know, there there's various and I'll include this in the episode notes. Episode notes, by the way, is a premium benefit. If you're a supporter of our podcast and we really need you to support the podcast over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad, you get these premium notes, extra stuff that's not included in the audio, but that Sonia and I contribute to uh, the research behind the episode a little bit extra. Now, I'll put this in it. It's from the Marathon Handbook, which where it kind of explains how each injury comes about. Runner's knee, Achilles tendonitis, IT band syndrome, shin splints, hamstring injuries, plantar fasciitis, stress fractures and all the rest of it are all explained what they tend to be a result of. And as you say, Sonia, you could probably do a certain amount of Detective Clouseau or CSI Miami on these injuries if your training log is detailed enough, if your little notebook can trace back. Oh, that was the week after the vitality when I bumped up the mileage and I did that mad 20k run on the Sunday. And that might be why that is acting up in that way. Yeah, I mean, th- the problem is that we don't all get to write in our diaries, <laughs> you know, immediately that we do. So sometimes you're looking back on these things and you're trying to remember what did I do on this day and what did I do on that day? Mm. And you know, fill in the gaps. So I'm always looking back on Strava and trying to remember, you know, where was I? What did I do? But as soon as you start to fill it in, then you get a clear picture. So even, you know, if you have not filled in the diary you know, regularly on the day, then I think it's still a good idea to go back and to, you know, go through your Strava or wherever you keep track of your runs well, and, and fill it in. Well, I'm really glad to hear that it's not just me that does that. I think Mick Glossy admitted it as well, <laughs> that uh, the running logbook is a, it's probably the least used diary in the history of the world, unless you're Elliot Kipchoge. It's, I'll stick that in the notes as well. Elliot's uh, logbook is uh, truly stunning and it makes a note of absolutely every aspect of what he was going through in each run, including the thoughts he had, the mood he was in his temperature, all sorts of stuff. Now, obviously, you don't need to get into that detail, but the the running log, I have to say, you pushed for it a while back and it, I, I was good with it for a while. And what it did was it just made me feel a lot more confident and proud to stay the course and kind of watching the paper mount up rather than just these Strava entries has a has a kind of a psychological effect. I think it does. I, and I think it's also very therapeutic just to sit there and to write things down and just to I think it makes you feel good when you see what you've actually done on paper and then you can kind of appreciate, you know, what the, 
the running that you've done and where it's leading you to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and also maybe the running you haven't done <laughs> where, where, where you can improve on things. So I feel like I've been a bit scattered recently. I mean, it was, it was hard to run in up in altitude. So I took my time getting organized with that. So so the, the kettle's done <laughs> and we're nearly done with half one of our uh, injury prevention episode. And I know we've talked about injury prevention before, but we wanted to give it a, a different spin this week. In the second half, we're going to get into, uh, again, more of these laws or commandments to avoid injury prevention and whether there's there's more underneath them. We'll also talk a little bit more about how to keep your head right when you have fallen into the the canyon of injury from running and what's the best way out of that? Sonia definitely has experience of that. I've very recent experience of it. I mean, some of the self-loathing that can come out of injury is truly astonishing, isn't it, Sonia? That I meet people who are injured and they talk to you like they've blown the family fortune gambling <laughs> like they they act like uh, I was so stupid how could I have been this silly uh, they blame themselves 100% well I think because you put so much time and commitment into this and then when the legs are pulled from under you and you can't keep going you kind of think well was that all worth it or you know what uh, you know when you put in so much time and effort into anything and then you don't get to complete it by, you know, whether it's running yeah. a race or it's so disappointing. Yeah. And then you feel like you've got to start all over again and you throw it all away and then you, you know, have to build it all the way back up again. And, you know, that's where it can be quite mentally challenging to build yourself back up again and to get yourself back on track and refocus and believe that, you know, you can restart again and it, go after it again. But it can be done, Sonia. It can be done and it oh. will it will be done and it won't be as hard. This is what I, I, I love to remind people is like the the training is in there, as you told me when I got sick. It's it, it's not it's not inaccessible now. That stuff still counts. What would be your tip of the week before we uh, say goodbye to our listeners on the free, free platforms and head over to the premium stuff over on Patreon? Tip of the week, 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 tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. I think the tip of the week is to, you know, to look back at what you've done and to really have a, I suppose, get a realistic picture of where you're at before you start to move forward and to kind of pull things into line and, you know, write down a lot of people you can write a lot of words but I think to just put down the the basic numbers and see how much you're actually running and and what percentage of that is at faster paces Mm. and to to just kind of make it draw a little bit of a graph or a picture of it for yourself the breakdown of total mileage or kilometers and then how much of that is faster pace and does that align with what you're trying to do and is there, and then work out little areas where you can improve a bit and I think as soon as you get a bit more structure and focus in your week or your 10 days or however plan you want to make it then I think you'll feel yourself moving forward a bit more and 
being more confident in what you're doing. And I think that's the, you have to have confidence in what you're doing and the belief, and then you actually start to feel better. Yeah, I mean, that clarity of planning is the most certain way to avoid injury, I would agree. That if you if you're really if you're really clear on what the plan is and how it's within your boundaries, I think it's a super tip of the week, Sonia, and a brilliant way to finish off this half of the show. I'd love you to come over and hear the rest of it. And I'd love you to hear the rest of my conversation with Tony Cascarino, our guest on Sunday. Tony came back after an eight year gap between episode six of Irishman Abroad. Delighted to have Tony Cascarino on. He gives you a big shout out on the show as well, Sonia. I don't know if you've listened to the episode yet, but uh, I might I might quiz you on what he said to me. He said you spoke to him backstage at the late late. I'm going to ask Sonia if she remembers the conversation in the second <laughs> half of the show and get into all that other stuff about injury prevention. Thank you so much for listening up to this point. Uh, Brian Connolly's on sound and Tina and Mikey make it all possible. Make sure to join up with the Irish Guide Dogs Association, their challenge for May to run 100k with your doggy or with someone else's doggy. Join up. It's a brilliant cause and it's one that me and Sonia are all on board for this May. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.